Hi there. I just want to say that you have got to be the most insipid, ridiculously idiotic, moronic person I've ever heard on any form of media. Exiled by society, friends, lovers, and terrestrial radio. A guy with literally nothing left to lose. For 15 years, he's been telling it like it is. This is the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Bundled up in here. It's actually kind of chilly in this studio this afternoon. Some of the people in my life. Not complaining about it though. Digging every moment of it. Man, I can't believe it's already December, but uh, here it is. The year is almost over. We're just about at Christmas, and that means got to go out and do the Christmas shopping stuff. Ugh. See, everybody talks about Thanksgiving and dreading hanging out with their families and all of that. That's, I love that. We had a, gr- I had a great Thanksgiving break. Thank you for asking. And it was awesome. And I don't know why people t- get on social media and they complain or they worry about their relatives coming or whatever. Uh, my Thanksgiving and hanging out with my family is very low drama. It is very chill out just very awesome good conversation good food good fun uh we go out for thanksgiving and it's actually really really great i don't know why people complain about it you see your relatives or your family once twice a year maybe and i just see like everybody is on social media oh god here comes uncle frank Uh, we have to tiptoe around it whenever he's around because you know You never know how many shots he's going to have. You never know if he's going to go back for another beer. That doesn't happen. We just went out, had a nice dinner at an Italian place, and uh, that was my Thanksgiving. Just four of us. No large crowd, no large family gathering. Even when there is large family, it's uh, pretty pretty milk toast in my family. They're very... They're pretty low drama people, so that's the good news. So it was a great Thanksgiving break, but yeah, now we're coming up toward Christmas, and that's the thing that I kind of dislike, the whole stressing about what to get people and worrying about how much money I have and then trying not to spend too much money. And then, you know, I've got there's birthdays coming up this month, including my own. I uh, hope you guys give me something great. Um, You know, donations to this show are always great birthday presents or Christmas presents or both, quite frankly. So that's that's a good idea. If you're just worried about what to get me for uh, Christmas or my birthday, um, there you go. I've just given you a great suggestion. But uh, so that's the part, the, the whole Christmas thing. No, I don't put up a tree. No, I don't put up any lights. No, that's not going to happen. Uh, nobody in my family really worries about that, at least not in the immediate family, the extended family. I know they go all out. Some people do. Um, but we do, do not do that in my family. Um, it's we, I don't know. It's one of those things. Everyone in my family is pretty lazy. Nobody wants to put out the decorations because you put them up for what? 
a month maybe and it, it takes you like two days to set everything up and then you have to take it all down and and it's just too much of a pain in the ass and no one's gonna bother to do that certainly i'm not i have never once in my life strung up christmas lights or put up any of that and i don't think i'm gonna get started anytime soon um but whatever so that's coming up and here we go. Uh, the the Thanksgiving break, yeah. The the family ga- gatherings were all great, and the weekend was uh, pretty uneventful. It was a pretty good time. Just hung out with friends, uh, worked on some things. Uh, a cool kind of announcement. Before I even get to that, before I even got to the Thanksgiving break, the Saturday before Thanksgiving, I spent more than ten hours updating. Uh, this show's Facebook page, which hasn't hadn't been touched in over four years. And so I went over there, four and a half years, really. And I went over there and I worked on that for 10 solid hours. I got everything, all of the old uh, articles, all of the blog entries and the links to the old shows from michaelgraff.com linked up over on the Facebook site. So I highly encourage you to go over there, like the page. It is facebook.com slash the Michael Groff Show. And if you do that, that would be incredibly awesome. Really would appreciate it because, again, it was, I really thought, I sat down that morning. This was, uh, well, almost a week and a half ago now. I sat down uh, about 7 o'clock in the morning and I said, you know, tell you what, I'm just going to get this page updated finally. It, It hasn't been touched. I'm really not a big Facebook guy necessarily, but I did figure, you know, it's good to be as in as many places on social media as possible. So I went over there. I decided, all right, this shouldn't take too long. What, a couple of hours to knock this out? Uh, I got a couple hours in, and I was only through a few episodes. Plus, the Facebook interface is so clunky. It is so clunky and weird and and has so many sort of quirks to it that it's really hard to get stuff linked up uh, over and over. I know people do it all the time. They link up articles, but I'm telling you, if you have to do a massive amount of them, if there's any kind of error whatsoever, whenever it tries to sync up the two, uh, then it becomes a whole hassle to try and get it to do it again. And anyway, it was a big mess, but it eventually I got it done. Uh, only took it, like I said, about 10, 10 hours to do it. So if you go over there, facebook.com slash the Michael Groff show, That'll give you an insight of uh, what I was doing there. Um, Otherwise, uh, watched a lot of football over the weekend. And I watched, I even watched a little basketball. I watched the Golden State Warriors. The two teams in the NBA that I'm actually interested in. The NBA has actually become somewhat interesting again because the Golden State Warriors are off to a 19-0 start. They just barely got past the Utah Jazz last night, but they did. They won. And, I mean, you talk about a team that's amazing in sports right now. There is no team more fun to watch than the Golden State Warriors. They kind of remind me of the Phoenix Suns from about 10 years ago with Steve Nash and all those guys, Joe Johnson and everybody, uh, Quentin Richardson, all those guys. Um, But, no, they're, they're even better than that because, yes, they have prolific scores. They have Steph Curry, who right now is probably about the best player in the NBA but they just have a, a great attitude. They're, they just play very, very well as a team. And it is really fun to watch them. So I'm actually interested, uh, a little bit at least, in the NBA. For a while, my interest in, in the NBA had flatlined quite a bit because the Suns were terrible and the league was just kind of, yeah. 
I mean, your only real star was LeBron James, and he's, you know, he's exciting and everything, but yeah, not really that much. And uh, there really wasn't anything exciting to the league, really. Uh, so, but that's that's great. And the other team that I'm watching completely with, I mean, probably even more interest than the Golden State Warriors are the Philadelphia 76ers, who still have not won a game, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I I know they're not, they're eventually, just like the Warriors are eventually going to lose, the Sixers are eventually going to win. But man, this is fun. I mean, they still haven't won a game. They're 0-18. They're playing the Lakers tonight, I think. So if there's a team that they can beat, it's Lakers and Kobe Bryant, who has announced that he's retiring from the NBA, which is probably about three or four years too late. And uh, there's no tears. There's no love lost for me and Kobe Bryant because there's a guy. Talk about one of the worst teammates to ever have on your team. This is a guy that in the playoffs one year just literally quit on his team. And that was uh, so. If there is a team that the 76ers can beat, it is the the nearly at the end of his career, Kobe Bryant, and the rest of the D League Los Angeles Lakers. So I am really excited to see them uh, maybe break the record for the fewest number of wins in a season. Remember, on this show, I care about two things. When it comes to sports, I always care about two things: the really, really good, the the greatness in sports and the absolute worst you have to be the suckiest of the sucky the the worst that, that there has ever been anytime you're in that kind of situation anytime you you take suck to a whole new level of incredible i am right there to watch it i want to see you fail and fail hard every single night. I don't want to see any kind of effort. I don't want to see any kind of try hard. I want to see you go out there and every single night find a new and creative way to lose. And that is exactly what the Philadelphia 76ers are doing right now. And to me, that is worth watching in the in the league. Yes, it is terrible basketball. It is the equivalent of watching the Cleveland Browns in football. It is awful and hard to watch but if you look at it through the prism of man these guys are terrible i can't wait to see how they're gonna lose this game i mean they'll even get a lead in a game although that doesn't happen very often and you wonder man how are they gonna lose just like when you watch the warriors i I saw them play the clippers not that long ago they were down 20 points in the game and they came back and won anyway maybe they're down 25 and they still came back to win And that's the amazing part about sports sometimes. Yes, if you are just incredibly terrible to a a, a point where it's actually fascinating to watch just how terrible you are, you're such a calamity that it's comical or just hypnotizingly terrible. I want to see it. I have to see it. So that is, that's what's going on over there. And then the uh, football games over the weekend... Um, I have a very minor interest in college football, finally. It's taken years and years and years. I said, call me back when they have a playoff. They have a playoff. It's still not exactly the kind of system, the perfect kind of system that I'd like to see, but at least it's better than the old system, the old BCS, where it was just computer geeks, some guy plugging in some bizarre formula, some bizarre metrics, and somehow a computer spits out the two best teams, and that's just who winds up playing at the end of the season. Or the older system, which was just coaches and media voting who the best teams were, with really no criteria or no scrutiny as to how they arrived at those conclusions. 
Now, the system they have now, yeah, it's still a committee, and it's still kind of flawed a little bit, but it's better than nothing. So I, I watched a little college football over the weekend. I watched Michigan State kick the crap out of Penn State, and I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll, I'll actually watch a national championship game in college football finally because, hey, you will finally have a legitimate system or at least a semi-legitimate system to determine a champion, so I'm there to watch. The NFL continues. You talk about hypnotizingly terrible. The NFL right now is exactly that. I know people don't like it when we talk a lot of sports. At least some people don't like it. But I always try to look at sports and try to relate it to people even that don't like sports. Now, think about this. The NFL, even if you're not a fan, right now, it's just not the same league that it was when I was a kid watching. And I don't mean that just in a, oh, everything's better back you know 20 years ago. Not through the nostalgia view, but I'm talking about the league as a whole, the play is just worse and worse every season. More and more injuries. There's um, worse fundamental play in the league. There's progressively worse quarterback play. And this is just, it, I mean, its it you can see it in just about every game. There's really only two or three great quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, um, and maybe Drew Brees. And then, you know, you got like your next tier of Philip Rivers and Carson Palmer and Cam Newton. And then after that, what do you have? Teddy Bridgewater, Matthew Stafford. I mean, you just have these very mediocre quarterbacks all across the league, and that makes for poor play. But the game I, I want to talk about, I watched uh, with Johnny and I watched the um, 49ers Cardinals game on Sunday, and that was uh, something of a train wreck. The officials didn't even know what down it was at one point. They couldn't even count to three. They had no idea what the down and distance was. They couldn't get penalty calls correct. And I don't mean that they were calling erroneous penalties, although there was a couple of those as well. But they didn't even understand the difference between live ball fouls and dead ball fouls and exactly where to assess uh, where an automatic first down would come in versus not. And that happened at least three or four times. It took them to figure out what down it was. It took them five minutes in this game. It took them five minutes. The Cardinals uh, got a first down. They ran a play, second down. They run another play, third down. There's a penalty. And they still thought it was second down instead of third. I, I don't know. They couldn't even count to three. That was the problem. Um, these officials, and then I watched the Steelers Seahawks game, and the same thing happened there. They completely blew uh, several. Not only did they blow calls, but they just didn't understand certain rules, and they had to go back and confer with the booth. And there, and I understand getting the call right is important, and I hope they do. But don't you think these officials? If I'm sitting there in the living room or at the bar, and I'm telling the officials through the TV what the rule is. I'm just a dumbass guy that's watched the game, and I know what the rule is. And these guys who are supposedly, well, they're the officials of the game, they're supposed to know all of the rules, and they don't know, and I do, and everybody that's in the bar, including the drunk people, know the rules better than the officials that are out there. That's a big problem. And then I read today that those officials in the 49ers-Cardinals game did get some kind of sanction from the NFL. And I'm not entirely sure what that means, but I do believe that they'll get suspended for a week or something. 
And I think that if you get some type of punishment from the league for screwing up a game, you're not eligible to officiate playoff games for that season, which is probably a good thing because if that crew were officiating a playoff game, that would be a real problem. I could only imagine how that could go completely out of hand in a big hurry. So, And don't forget, the Washington Redskins are technically in first place, even though they're under 500. Yes, a losing team in first place in the NFC East. That tells you just how bad that division is. Those are the four worst teams in football right now, wouldn't you say? Well, the four worst teams in the NFC. The Redskins, Giants, Eagles, and Cowboys are absolutely terrible. That is a horrible, horrible division. I can't even, I can't believe, somebody actually has to win that division because that's how it is. Some, the team that wins that division, they ought to just say, all right, fine, you won the division, and the other three teams should just be contracted from the league. Just get rid of them. I know they'll never do that, but maybe we should do it like uh, they do with uh, soccer in England, where if you lose consistently, they put you down. They they put you down to what is essentially the minor leagues. So that maybe we should do that in the NFL. All right, Tampa Bay, you've lost three years in a row. Now you're going to the B League. The NFL B League, whatever that is, or the C League, or however we're gonna, whatever we're gonna call it, the basically the minor leagues of football. And every year we just rotate a few of the bad teams down into that league. And then if you prove yourself worthy, if you win for a while in that lower league, then you get to come back to the pros for a while. You get to come back to the big kids table. So we ought to do the NFC East should all just go to the <laughs> they should all go to the kids table league for a while. All right. So that's the NFL. Oh, and Tom Brady is uh, no longer, yeah, no 16-0 and for Tom Brady. They lost to the, the Broncos on uh, Sunday night. And then I'm not even going to discuss last night's game, the Monday night game. If you watch that, if you put money on that game, let me just say this. This is a public service announcement. If you put money on the Browns-Ravens game last night, you have a gambling problem and need to seek treatment immediately. You obviously, A, if you watch that game, you clearly hate yourself and you need to seek psychological treatment. If you bet on that game, you need to go to Gamblers Anonymous right away. Go to a meeting, go talk to, in fact, and be the first person to stand up in that meeting and just say, uh, my name is so-and-so and I gambled on the Browns-Ravens game last night. I obviously have a problem and watch as the other gamblers in the room look at you and go, man, you really do have a problem. You need the help more than we do. So that was some of the action from over the weekend, football-wise, and uh, it was good. Uh, a lot of other stuff, too. I see Hillary Clinton is still way ahead in the polls on the Democrat side. Trump continues to lead the Republican Party right now. The officials within the Republican Party, some of the mainstream officials within the GOP are freaking out quietly and actually not so quietly now. They thought that Donald Trump would just be a flash in the pan. They figured, yeah, you know, he's going to come out. He's going to have some fire. He's a bit of a celebrity, so he's going to have that going for him for a while. He'll eventually say stupid stuff and he'll fall out of the running. Well, Donald Trump has certainly said his share of stupid things and shocking things. He made fun of a reporter who has a disability. Nope, that just all that seemed to do was bolster him in the polls. He's said some outrageous things. He's insulted other candidates constantly. 
uh, in the way that Donald Trump does. No, he's still ahead in the polls. He has done everything that any other candidate would do that would be a, a complete death knell for their campaign. And Donald Trump continues to surge. He's actually, let's see, uh, I see he's at um, the latest poll I have here. 34%. Ben Carson, way, way behind. 14.1%. Cruz and Rubio each at 8%. There's a number of undecideds. And then, of course, you've got Jeb Bush still hovering around 6%. Rand Paul down there around 3%, 2%. And uh, all the other guys put together. I mean, this is this is Donald Trump's to lose right now. And he has been consistently ahead for months. And that is... It's setting up for a very frightening scenario. And people in the Republican Party are freaking out because there's two reasons they're freaking out. Well, three, really. One, Donald Trump is definitely not an establishment candidate. This is a guy that was an out, very outspoken Democrat some years ago. He's somebody that does not follow the mainstream GOP in terms of party platform and certainly in terms of presentation. And so that's part one. Part two is um, <laughs> they're afraid that if he runs, he, of course, is just going to embarrass the party and he's going to get trounced by the seasoned veteran Hillary Clinton because it is very obvious, and I'm sorry to say this Bernie Sanders people, it is very obvious that Hillary Clinton is going to get the nomination because um, right now Sanders is about 20 points behind in the polls and barring some kind of miraculous comeback by Bernie, I just don't see a way that he is going to make any sort of headway. Uh, now, of course, primaries are funny things and very weird things can happen and momentum can shift very, very suddenly. But I don't think there's any way that... <laughs> that Bernie Sanders makes up a 20-point deficit in the polls. Now, of course, it's the polls. Who knows? Who really knows? People say a lot of things, and then when it's time to actually go and vote, people do different things than what they tell pollsters, or the polling data could be corrupt, or whatever. But right now, it just does not look like Bernie Sanders has much of a chance in this thing. So, at this moment, we're really heading for a Trump Clinton battle. And so, yeah, the Republican Party are, are afraid of Donald Trump just getting his ass kicked by Hillary Clinton and then four or potentially eight more years of a Democrat in the White House. Then scenario number three that bothers the party probably the most is that then the two are head to head against each other, Clinton, Trump, and then Clinton's campaign has some sort of implosion. She melts down and Trump actually wins the White House. That is the nightmare scenario, not only for the Democrats and not only for the United States, but the Republican Party, too, because then they're stuck with Trump in the White House. And he is not a guy that is all too uh, pleasing to the party. He's not really one to cater to what their will is or do what the Republican Party wants. Donald Trump does what Donald Trump wants to do. And unlike Mitt Romney, who completely changed half of his normal platform just so he could adapt to run for president of the United States because the GOP basically told him, this is how you're going to talk. This is the platform you're going to use. They can't do that with Donald Trump. He'll just tell them to go screw themselves and he's going to run on whatever 
ideas he wants to put out there. And he's going to talk the way he wants to talk. And the party is not going to have any control over him whatsoever. So I don't know if there's any way for the party to do anything about it. I know that the the establishment uh, in, in the GOP, they really want Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio or anybody else. Well, anybody other than Ben Carson, I think they have a problem with him too, as as you probably should. I still say, and I <laughs> I have to tell you, Ben Carson just continues. I, I spent the last couple of days just reading Ben Carson quotes and reading some of his speeches and reading some of the ridiculous things that he says. And I have to tell you, I want to vote for this guy so badly, just not because I think he's a good candidate, absolutely not. But I need to hear that for four years. I really do. And I think America just needs to be treated to the wisdom of Ben Carson for four years. Don't you think? A guy that has said, this is, this is what Ben Carson said about gay people. Uh, he doesn't think that being gay is a... He doesn't believe it's something you're born with. He believes it's a choice because his logic is, he actually said, people that go into prison... Straight guys go into prison, and when they come out, they're gay. What does that say about it? (laughs) Ben Carson is, I mean, the guy is so incredibly, for a guy, and, and believe me, I understand he's a neurosurgeon. He's a smart guy academically. I get it. He went through school. He went through college. He went through med school. He got his residency. He did all the things that you do to become a doctor. He was a very accomplished neurosurgeon. I get it. But boy, considering he had all that education, the guy is just plain stupid. And it is unbelievable just how stupid he really is. These things that he says, these quotes that he says are just unbelievable. (laughs) It's unreal. I have to tell you this too. So I got into a, I I almost never do this, but on social media, I actually got into a vortex of arguing with Ben Carson people. It popped up. I could not help myself. I never do this. I never be, I'm never that guy that gets into the political debates with people on social media, but I couldn't take it anymore. I kept reading people posting stuff about Ben Carson and I finally melted down and I just, I wrote back, somebody posted something about Ben Carson believes in not being politically correct. Ben Carson doesn't like political correctness and that's why I support him. And whatever, I don't care. Be as politically incorrect as you want. In fact, that's fine. But I just wrote something like, I'm sorry, I just can't support uh, a doctor that doesn't believe in evolution. And then I went on my usual Ben Carson rant that I've done on this show over and over again and pointed out all the things that I don't like and why I cannot endorse Ben Carson. And uh, the Ben Carson supporters jumped all over me. A few people liked my comment, but then uh, the Ben Carson supporters jumped all over me and somebody actually said, I clearly Ben Carson has a superior understanding of biology, physics, mathematics, uh, science, blah, blah, blah. And I, I just, I... Of course he doesn't. You know, this is a guy 
Well, there's no evidence that Ben Carson doesn't believe in microevolution. He just doesn't believe in the Big Bang Theory. And then, of course, I link them to something that he said where he does not believe in any sort of evolution. And then they don't respond. And so I I never do that. I'm not that guy that likes to get sucked into that because it's just pointless because people on social media or just in general, whenever you argue politics with them, they just don't listen. Everybody has their own viewpoint. They're not going to listen to reason, no matter how logical, no matter how how reasonable you present it to them. They have it in their head that Ben Carson is just the most awesome person. And then the best part of the argument was... I listed all these things that were wrong and why I just think Ben Carson is not fit to be a candidate. And they go, what, just because he doesn't align his view with yours, that does that makes him an inferior candidate? And it's like, well, yeah, I don't vote for a guy that doesn't, that doesn't believe in my views. Why would I vote for somebody that doesn't believe what I do? And it's not even about beliefs. And then the person went on to say something like, Uh, You're just part of the politically correct establishment. I'm saying no to political correctness, and that's why I'm voting for Ben Carson. These people are, it is amazing that these people can breathe and type at the same time. And maybe I have to align myself with Ben Carson. Maybe I have to stop believing in evolution, because whenever I see the people that defend Ben Carson, I am starting to believe I see it and I go, you know what? Evolution may very well have stopped. It's very possible. When you see the the way that these people so fervently defend something without even knowing what they're talking about, it is spectacular. And that that might be why I have to vote for Ben Carson ultimately. I need to hear the nuggets of knowledge that he will rain down upon us every single day, his pearls of wisdom. And then I also want to see his mouth-breathing, barely cogent followers right there along with him, defending him and saying, I'm saying no to political correctness, so I'm voting for Ben Carson. And, uh, of course, it got into a whole religious thing, too, because I said, you know, the world is older than 6,000 years old. And, and, of course, then that just opens up another can of worms. And you just you just can't debate with these people. You you just can't. So uh, I I stopped, and that is why I don't get sucked into the vortex that is debating politics online. Um, I understand the irony of saying that while I'm doing this show, uh, but right now what I'm doing here is a monologue, and I'm totally willing to have conversations with reasonable people. Uh, I did it over the Thanksgiving holiday. I did it with my friends, my family. I talk about politics with people that are reasonable but i just i've gotten to the point where it is impossible to do it with the unreasonable and there are so many unreasonable people out there that i don't know what to do it's it's tough all right uh i didn't even do a proper intro for the show didn't even really do anything i threw the format right out the window i guess today which is a perfect segue into mentioning this. Today's show is also one where we are at the mercy of the computer because it is random bumper day here on the show, folks. And that means just about anything or everything could be used for a bumper uh, on the show. So I am not picking the music today. So that is another issue that we'll have to deal with. So be on the lookout for that. 
groffshow at gmail.com. That is our email address. It is groffshow at gmail.com. That's also the PayPal address for your donations to this program. Look, my birthday right around the corner, Christmas right around the corner. Uh, and you know, you love this show and you have been enjoying it for many years and you just want to help out a show that really gives to you and that provides you with so much uh, entertainment. And um, I know after we talked sports, I know people. some people don't like it when we talk sports. Like, I don't like all the sports talk, which I don't get. What? Look, we talk literally everything on this show. There is not a topic that we don't broach on here. I, I don't do a lot of celebrity gossip. That's, I guess we don't do that. Um, occasionally. But we kind of stay out of the pop culture realm mostly. But other than that, we're pretty much talking about just about everything on this show and anything you want to talk about as well. So why not donate? Because because you're just a nice person. That's why you want to do it. And it's the holidays. So groffshow at gmail.com on PayPal. Michael Graff on Twitter. Michael Graff, uh, well, actually, The Michael Graff Show on Facebook. Yes, I worked forever and ever and ever on that. So please go ahead, go over to Facebook, look that up, like the page, maybe even comment, maybe do whatever you like. It's... Facebook.com slash The Michael Graff Show. And, of course, for everything else Michael Graff related, you can go to MichaelGraff.com. While you're there, you can comment on this show or any other show that we've posted. You can write your comments. We pretty much put everything through. Sometimes the spam gets through, too. Had to clean that up over the weekend also. Also, you can subscribe, and every time a brand new edition of this show is posted, you will get an email notification, so we do that. And so much more. It's all there at the one and only michaelgraff.com. It's a little Jerry Rafferty for you, the Shafflood. Cool, Laddie 4.5, good times, the best oldies. I don't even think they say that anymore. They mostly just play 80s over there on Cool now, which I'm totally fine with, but I don't even know if they would play this song anymore. Mostly sunny today, 57 this afternoon, going up to 64. On your radio dial, it's always cool. 94.5, Jerry Rafferty at Baker Street. Winding your way down on Baker Street. Lighting your head and dead on your feet. Well, another crazy day. You drink the night away and forget about everything. You gotta sing along with it. This city dance. <laughs> I don't know why. I just uh, I do like this song. I have to admit, it's one of my it's one of my '70s guilty pleasure songs. It's one of those. It comes on. I have to listen. I have to sing along with it. I don't know why that is. You used to think that it was so easy. You used to say that it was so easy, but you're trying. You're trying now. Well, at least, hey, it could have been worse. We could have had a... There's a lot of stuff. We could have, we could have had Pitbull or something for a bumper. That would have been bad. The computer's been nice so far. We'll be back. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on a Tuesday. <laughs> I'm in a weird mood. I haven't eaten yet today. So, we'll be back.
famous Michael Groff show on a Tuesday, December 1st, 2015. I see the big global warming or climate change, whatever the nomenclature is they use to describe it nowadays. I see that that is big in the news right now. They just wrapped up that climate summit. And you know there's going to be all sorts of crazy conclusions that they reach from that. So... Meanwhile, the state of Florida is probably saying, uh, what climate change? If there is climate change, we're loving it. The National Hurricane Center says that this, uh, with the end of the 2015 hurricane season, which just took place, it marks the 10th consecutive year in which Florida has not been hit by a major hurricane. So Florida's like, hey, climate change sounds good to us. 10 years. Meanwhile, of course, they always say that the climate change is going to cause more storms more often, bigger, more powerful storms, and they're going to hit uh, places like Florida and the Gulf Coast, and everybody's going to die, and it's going to be havoc and mayhem and chaos. Meanwhile, 10 years without a hurricane making landfall, a major hurricane making landfall in Florida. So there you have it. Um, meanwhile, the ironic part of this climate summit and talking about pollution and carbon emissions, do you know the president, just to get to France, where the climate summit was being held. They used something like 19,000 gallons of jet fuel and emitted more pollution than 31 U.S. homes will emit in an entire year. And, <laughs> and that's not even counting the travel to and from the summit while there. That's not counting the uh, amount of pollution and waste that's produced from uh, the hotel room stay and the food and everything else that's done while being there. That's just the trip to and from the climate summit. So if you really want to talk about cutting down on emissions, hey, don't fly there. Just you can you can attend it via Skype. You can attend it via satellite. You're the president of the United States or just take a boat. Why don't you sail there? That's a great idea. I don't know. Um, but anyway, the climate change people, and of course, I've read all sorts of crazy things that some of the people have been proposing to stop or slow or mitigate climate change. Such things as, here was a, this was a whole article I read yesterday about uh, putting sulfur into the atmosphere. We could use sulfur, which would block out and reflect some of the sun's incoming radiation and thus cool the surface of the planet, and thus stop global warming. The problem with doing that, and as we know from past years, um, during the height of the industrial age, and all the way, and really from the mid-40s through the 60s and even into the 70s, uh, so many industrial nations were producing so much sulfur pollution that it was starting to cause, well, acid rain, among other things. That was the big concern back in the 70s. Even in the 80s, they used to talk about acid rain all the time. That's going to be a big problem because of all the pollution. So they had regulations to change the uh, the various uh, industrial complexes so that they would produce the businesses, the factories and all this to produce less sulfur. And so that has certainly cut down on uh, sulfur emissions and certainly acid rain certainly isn't the concern that it used to be. But now they're talking about, hey, why don't we put a bunch of sulfur back in the atmosphere? Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's fight one pollutant with another. Let's fight carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide with sulfur. Great. So then when it rains, it will turn the oceans more acidic 
and will start killing off the life in the oceans. But hey, at least the temperature will be a little bit cooler. Yeah. And you can obviously understand what would happen. The climate manipulation, if anything should happen, like a drought should occur in one country, you know another country, they're, they're going to blame some other country or they're going to blame some people, whoever engineered the climate changing and manipulation. They're going to blame those people. Wars are going to break out. It is not a good idea to manipulate climate, even though people already do it. China already uh, engages in this. We know that goes on fairly regularly. There, there's, of course, many ways to manipulate it, but um, that is just another one of the wacky theories and wacky hypotheses that have been um, suggested that we attempt. And it, they say it wouldn't even be that hard to produce enough sulfur to put off into the atmosphere, do it in a controlled fashion, and uh, we would see results fairly quickly. Sort of, uh, you would be synthesizing a volcanic eruption. Remember, after Mount Pinatubo erupted back in 1991, there was uh, certainly a lot, a ton of uh, pollutants, a ton of sulfur was thrown out into the atmosphere. And of course, that caused quite a bit of a climate change to occur over the span of a couple of years anyway i wouldn't say climate but weather changes occurred across the world uh, that spanned a couple of years just because of us and by uh, geological standards mount pinatuba was very small and that caused a significant change in the weather for several years so they're saying hey why don't we kind of synthesize that by putting off some sulfur no not a good idea guys um how about this how about we just chill out how about we just uh, sit back a little bit, maybe just pollute less, you know, maybe cut down on our, on our emissions. Let's not have a freak out. Let's not start raising taxes and creating carbon taxes and setting up carbon credits. And let's not make a whole cottage industry out of doing something that we should be doing just because, just because it's the right thing to do. But of course, everything has to be turned into a business. That's why it's hard to take the climate change people seriously like Al Gore when they sell carbon credits, which is the biggest scam going. Basically, they're saying, hey, as long as you're willing to pay, you can pollute as much as you want. You just have to buy carbon credits from some market that we're making up, which is ridiculous. Yeah, money is the key to all of it. You, you know that that's always how that works. And speaking of money and a cottage industry... Here's a great frivolous lawsuit. And I tell you what, if I had not gone into radio, I probably would have been an attorney or a judge or something just so I could see stuff like this more often. Who doesn't love a good frivolous lawsuit? Let's be honest. Uh, there is a man in Delaware named Alton Brown. He's a 60-year-old man. He's in prison for, among other things, robbery, assault, theft, all of that. While in prison, he's been running a gambling operation. And whatever, who knows, the legalities of all of that. But he's actually suing USA Today because the publication stopped posting Las Vegas betting odds and other sports gambling data in their publication. So, because they stopped posting the betting lines in the newspaper, he decided to sue the newspaper. Good job. Uh, this actually went before a judge. The judge took a look at it and said, this is utterly frivolous. Brown he claims that, quote, he needs this information to run his bookmaking operation in prison. Gambling by prisoners is, of course, forbidden by the State Department of Corrections. Brown 
sue the newspaper for breach of contract in 2013 based on the fact that the gambling odds printed uh, ended soon after he subscribed to the newspaper. So he says that, hey, you guys you know, sold me. I, I, I was buying this newspaper under the assumption that the gambling odds would be put in there, and now you stop doing it, so I'm suing you for breach of contract, which of course is ridiculous because there's no contract. There's no guarantee that they'll publish anything. Anyway, the judge immediately just said, this is frivolous. I'm not even, I'm just throwing this out. I'm sorry. In tossing the suit, uh, the judge, what's this guy's name? This this judge needs to uh, get a raise. <laughs> Reappoint this judge and give him a raise. Uh, judge Platt. Um, I don't have his full name in here. I don't see it anywhere. Oh, here we go. William H. Platt is the judge. And um, you give this guy a raise. He noted that Brown has an 18-year history of filing such baseless complaints from behind bars. This is not the first time this guy has filed a frivolous lawsuit. But this one just got thrown out right away because it was so insanely ridiculous. And speaking of frivolous lawsuits, here's another one. Everyone knows Yelp, right? So Yelp is this thing. It's, it's an app. It's a website. You can review restaurants, bars, businesses. You can even review things like parks on Yelp. Basically, you can review anything and everything on Yelp. And Yelp, of course, has people that uh, advertise with them. You know, they, they, it's a business like any other. Well, there's a lawsuit and a federal judge has thrown out the suit alleging that Yelp manipulated reviews in an attempt to coerce businesses to buy advertisements. They're saying that what would happen is Yelp would uh, buy, they would basically post negative reviews unless you were an advertiser with Yelp. That was the allegation. And this judge says, no, there's there's no real evidence that Yelp was engaging in that sort of activity. It's just a place where people post reviews. They don't give favoritism to anybody. But... Lawyers representing a Yelp shareholder filed suit in August of 2014 saying that the company had misled investors with false statements about the veracity of its reviews. The complaint, which sought class action status, was filed four months after the Wall Street Journal revealed that the Federal Trade Commission had received more than 2,000 complaints about Yelp. The Wall Street Journal article roughly correlates with a significant drop in the value of Yelp stock. So the Wall Street Journal said, hey, Yelp is engaging in some sort of manipulation here, which, of course, that turned out not to be true. Yelp's stock dropped, and um, some people sued Yelp and said, hey, uh, you guys are manipulating reviews for people that, uh, you know, you're, you're showing favoritism. The judge threw it all out, so that's good. So there's another frivolous lawsuit, another another dumb bunch of things. Yelp is, it's one of those things, it is your best friend, it is your worst enemy for a business. Because I've always said this about any sort of forum or any place where people offer reviews of things. You always have to take those reviews with a grain of salt because more often than not, people write reviews about things they don't like. You usually, after you have a good experience at a restaurant or a business or any sort of place, Usually you don't go online and go, um, I had a great experience. Man, everybody, the wait staff was incredibly nice. The food was spectacular. 
Or even if it's just kind of okay, you don't go, yeah, you know, it was an okay place. You know, the food was all right. Service was okay. Nothing to, nothing to write home about. Nothing great. Nothing bad. Yeah, you know, three and a half stars or whatever. So, uh, you know, most people, now I know there's some people that do that. Some people. But more often than not, people write when something is terrible. Like when I go online, when I go to these travel sites and I look at various hotels or places to stay or whatever, more often than not, the reviews are bad and you kind of have to go, gee, I've stayed there before and I've never really had a bad experience, but I'm seeing 35 reviews and 33 of them are negative. And then one of them is kind of neutral and one is positive. I mean, that's really what happens. So Yelp is one of those things. You sort of have to take it with a grain of salt. But if you do see uh, a similar pattern where people are complaining about the same thing, then of course you do have to take that under advisement. And there is obviously something that you have to think about there, but I don't know. I, I usually don't use Yelp or look at Yelp when I'm going, even if I'm going to a brand new restaurant that I've never been to before, I very rarely do I ever look it up. And uh, of course, then if you do have a bad experience, you always kind of kick yourself and go, why didn't I look that up on Yelp? Why didn't I look that up online to see how bad this place was? Man, now I've got to go home and write a review. <laughs> so that's how Yelp works. That's how all that stuff works. I, I don't know. Maybe I should probably participate or view it more. I actually have the app on my phone, but I can't tell you the last time I've actually looked up a Yelp review. That's kind of crazy. Um, probably three, four years ago was the last time I actually used Yelp. Meanwhile, this is kind of an ironic and creepy story. So if you've ever heard of LifeLock, that's one of those identity theft protection services you sign up for. Basically, it monitors all of your transactions. Anytime somebody tries to get a new card or a loan or any sort of activity that involves your personal information where it's being exchanged with a business or in commerce somehow. So LifeLock sends you all these monitors and that way you know that if someone is trying to steal your identity, you'll be like, oh, wait, I didn't use that credit card there or I didn't sign up for that loan over there or whatever. So it's a, it's a service. A lot of people have it. They have all these commercials. They have insurance guarantees against, uh, against identity theft and all that. Well, some guy figured out how to use LifeLock to stalk his ex-wife. And uh, I'm surprised this hasn't happened sooner. A Gilbert woman, this is from right here in the Phoenix area, a Gilbert woman claims her, the popular identity theft protection service LifeLock was used to cyberstalk her. Susan Quintana said her ex-husband created the account without her knowledge. He had all of her personal information and then he signed up for LifeLock, used, entered all of her information in there, and then... For years, she had no idea that he was getting all, anytime she did, had any sort of transaction, anytime she signed up for a car loan, any kind of movement she made, basically, he was getting the, the information without her knowledge because he signed it up with her information sent to him. Every move, Quintana said, quote, not only financially, but every single thing I did, he was watching. Quintana said LifeLock alerts were sent to her ex, yeah, for everything. Credit cards, car loans, uh, anytime she made changes to a bank account, um, anytime she took a trip. Quote, I was amazed by the depth of the information that they had on me, Quintana said. And if you thought that was bad, then she found out about it and she tried to go to LifeLock and say, hey, look, uh, this is not me. I mean, it's me, but it's not me. This is all going to my ex-husband. Um, 
So you got to stop this. Of course, LifeLock didn't believe her for a while. There was a whole back and forth with all of that. And the husband, now he's being charged with cyber stalking, aggravated stalking, and all that other stuff. And I'm sure there's a, a litany of, I, I don't even know what the jail sentence is for that, but I'm sure he's going to spend some time behind bars for that. But it just goes to show you that this is, he did this for years. This went on for several years using a service meant to protect your identity. If that's not ironic, I don't know what is. Meanwhile, LifeLock said in a statement, quote, we're distressed that someone was able to use our service for cyber stalking and that our response did not meet our high standards. We've apologized to Ms. Quintana and we've offered to pay her legal fees. We have also begun an immediate review of our procedures so that in the future, we're always able to respond to our customers in a way that's consistent with our values. So that's, uh, <laughs> man, be careful. I, I have to tell you all the time, no matter what, you really need to be vigilant about what's going on. And I'm guilty of this too. You really need to watch over your bank accounts, your credit card information, anything that has your personal information. You need to watch over that very, very carefully. Always be vigilant and all that sort of stuff. The problem is in this particular case, it wouldn't have really mattered because this was a situation where a guy was cyber stalking someone. It's not like he was going to her house and sorting through her garbage or, or doing something weird, creepy like that, watching her with binoculars from afar. It was a situation where, yeah, she, he was just monitoring her online activity using a service meant to protect against that. So I don't know exactly what would happen. And in this story, there's not even information as to how she eventually found out about it. That detail is kind of lacking. So I don't know. You figure these guys eventually are going to screw up and you're going to get some notice someplace and go down the rabbit hole to find out exactly how it is that, you know, a guy has been stalking you. But it's very much a creepy thing. That's uh, And it's definitely a guy thing to do. Cyber stalking is very much a, a dude thing. I've always fantasized about having a stalker. I've always thought that would be kind of fun. Not a cyber stalker like that, but, you know, somebody that maybe just shows up like David Letterman had for a while. That, that chick that would just follow him around all over the place and... I don't know, write them love notes and all that kind of stuff. But then, uh, I don't know, it's a fun fantasy to think about. But then, uh, yeah, because, of course, you think, well, hey, maybe she'll eventually not be psycho and we'll, um, we'll fall in love and it'll be happily ever after. That'd be the movie I'd write. I'd write a movie about a, <laughs> a celebrity or some guy that's just, you know, being stalked by a, by a chick and then eventually uh, it turns into a love story. And that's exactly why. See, it's no worse than anything else Hollywood is producing right now. That's a great idea for a movie. I'm copywriting that right now. That's my intellectual property. Don't you dare steal it. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm obviously a little bit twisted inside. No, I really don't want a stalker. I just think sometimes, you know, that'd be kind of fun. But then I'm a six foot four male. So what do I care? It's not like I'm not really afraid of somebody coming along and hurting me. But of course, it would be weird having somebody just following you around all over the place and then writing you little love notes that they shove in your mailbox or <laughs> tying a note to a brick, throwing it through your window. I love you. That would be kind of weird. So, yeah, probably not. Um, probably not something I really want. So, yeah, there's a note right there. All right. Well, anyway, this is not a story I would tell my grandmother about either. Because she gets really paranoid about this. I just, uh, the reason I even bring this up, I just got off the phone with my grandmother uh, before starting this show. 
My grandma Groff, she's 93 years old, bless her heart, but uh, she's one of those people that thinks that everything is getting worse in the world today. And, you know, maybe a little bit of it is, but mostly she'll say, oh, the violence, the, the shootings and the stabbings and the muggings and the terrorism, it's, it's all out of control. And it's like, well, meanwhile, violent crime is down in most cities across the country, Grandma. Well, I don't know. You just hear about it more and more all the time. Yes, that is true. You do. You hear about it more. But she hears something. She'll hear that somebody is doing something. She'll hear that somebody's mail got stolen. And then she thinks that mail theft is just rampant and everywhere. So if you tell her a story about cyber stalking, even though she has no idea what the internet really is, she doesn't really know what any of that's all about. She's never used a computer. She'll be paranoid that somebody is watching her and uh, they're watching my every transaction. Yes, Grandma, they're they're watching your social security check getting auto-deposited into your account. That's really fascinating stocking material right there. I can see why someone would want to watch the transactions of a 93-year-old woman. So be careful with that. Anyway, uh, there's more coming up. We'll be back. The Zip Code Famous, Michael Groff Show. That's the thing. It's Random Bumper Day here on the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show, which means we are completely at the mercy of the random number generator inside the computer. Thousands and thousands of songs to choose from, and it gives us this. Oh, yeah. It gives us Kesha, everybody. Anyway, December 1st, 2015, Show at gmail.com. That is our email and PayPal address, Show at gmail.com. Michael Graff on Twitter, The Michael Graff Show on Facebook, and for everything else Michael Graff related, of course, it's the one and only michaelgraff.com. Yes, while you're at michaelgraff.com, you can comment on this or any other episode of the program we've posted. You can subscribe to get email notifications every time a brand new program is posted, and of course, you can just listen, enjoy, read the blogs, do whatever. It's all available at the one and only michaelgraff.com. You know... I don't know if we've ever played the raw sound of Kesha. So, you know, they do these. So Kesha obviously uh, is more auto-tuned than anything you've ever heard. It's She sounds like a cyborg in these songs. So if you've ever wondered what Kesha really sounds like with all that, all that auto-tune, I don't know if we've ever played this on the show. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. Here, while I'm looking for that, you can listen to the melodic to- tones of Kesha. Kesha with a dollar sign. Alright, here we go. This is... So, she has a song called Your Love Is My Drug from a few years ago. Here's a little of that. Let me just play a little of that for you. Here you go. 
so this is that song without all of the uh I think I might need some rehab. The oh, auto-tune. Maybe just Here you need go. some sleep. I got a sick obsession. I'm seeing it in my dreams. I'm looking down every alley. I'm making those desperate calls. I'm staying up all night hoping, hitting my head against the wall. What you got, boy, is hard to find. I think <laughs> about it all the time. I'm all strung out. My heart is fried. I just can't get you. Computers are amazing things, aren't they? They can turn that. Won't listen to any advice. They can turn that into this here. Wow. Well, there you go. Turn it into a Kesha segment. That's pretty good. All right, so uh, here's something. This is an experience that many of us have had. Well, everybody by now. I'm sure if you've lived long enough, you have had this experience where you go to a restaurant, you're hanging out, you're just having a good time, and then there's the sound of a screaming kid that pierces through the establishment, and it's always a kid that's right next to you at a table right next to you or very near you to where you can't possibly tune it out and it goes on for 20 or 30 or 40 minutes. And really, what can you do about it? I remember probably 12 or 13 years ago, I was on a streak where for almost a year, every time I would go to a restaurant, and it didn't matter what time of day it was, day, night, didn't matter what type of establishment, didn't matter where, I would uh, go out and there would be a screaming kid. And my friends just thought it was the funniest thing ever. And um, so it just became our running joke for a while. And it was... It was crazy, and this would, you just want to scream yourself because there's really nothing you can do. Sometimes you want to say to them, hey, could you take your kid outside maybe, or um, hey, maybe next time get a sitter. Well, here's a story that everyone that's been in that position can relate to. So there's this uh, woman, her name is Katie Leach. She is from Idaho. Her 10-month-old son was pretty excited about being at a restaurant, apparently. And uh, he was very vocally expressive. He's been yelling and he was carrying on for quite a while. So much so, in fact, that the diners at the table next to the Leach family at the Texas Roadhouse took notice, wrote a note, and dropped it at the Leach's table. The message read, quote, Thank you for ruining our dinner with your screaming kids. Sincerely, the table behind you. Leach, the mother, was so shocked that she she took the note, she shared it with the local news station on their uh, Facebook page, on the KTVB Facebook page. And then, of course, uh, she told her whole story and what transpired, and then it became viral, of course, as these things tend to do. She wrote in part, this is part of her post, quote, his new thing is yelling. I'm doing my best to teach him indoor voice and not to yell back at me, when telling him uh, to, to when telling him no or to stop, etc. But he is only ten months old and learning. She writes, "We all tried quieting him down. With uh, majority of the time, he did. But he was also so excited to be around all the commotion. So he was yelling and screaming. Look, I'm sympathetic, and I understand that's the price of going out in society. Sometimes you're going to sit next to a table with a screaming kid. I get it. 
That's the way it is. I understand. But you know, I think sometimes as a parent, you do have to have the common sense to know that if you have a kid that's whose thing is yelling, as she writes, maybe you just don't take the kid to the restaurant. Maybe you get a sitter. Maybe somebody stays home with them. Um, or if you do decide to bring the kid out there, do what a lot of people who I've dined with who have kids do. Like my buddy has kids. And when the kids start getting loud, he takes them outside and quiets them down and then comes back in. That's the very courteous thing to do. But a lot of people just don't have courtesy anymore, as evidenced by the fact that people get on their cell phones and have loud ass conversations sitting at the table next to you, which is equally annoying. And there's some things you can tune out that you can kind of tune out. You know, the guy sitting next to you going, oh, hey, John, how's it going, man? Oh, yeah, well, we went over there the other... Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a great time. Oh, man, we got so ripping drunk, and we just... Oh, yeah, barfed all over the place. That's like at the table right next to you. You can kind of tune that out, but the sound of a screaming kid is virtually impossible to shut out. So these people wrote a note. Now, I've never done that. Um, I've made jokes with a table next to me going, Oh, man, he's really, uh, he's, he's really going, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you try to maybe engage people in that sort of more positive way and just to let them know, hey, I'm recognizing the fact that your kid is making a lot of noise to the point where I'm now interacting with you, even though you're complete strangers. Maybe that's a hint you should take. You know, as much of an asshole as I am, usually I'm not going to turn to the people next to me and say, hey, shut your kid up. You know, <laughs> Even though sometimes you want to say that, I've never done that. I have kind of done that joking thing and I've gone outside myself before there's been times where I've gotten up I've walked outside just for a minute just to sort of let my my eardrums settle down a little bit let my ears stop bleeding so I can go back in now in this story the mother also says that she alerted the manager of the situation and he went over to the table that wrote the note and said hey you got to finish your meal and get the hell out of here so he threw out the people that wrote the note not the person that's being disruptive to everybody else, but the person that actually pointed out that somebody else is being disruptive. Now, I realize it's kind of a rude note to write, but um, <laughs> it's still, I think it's kind of a dick move to bring your, your kid whose new thing is yelling, who you've admitted is especially loud right now, going through a loud phase. It's kind of rude of you to bring that kid to a restaurant, I think. And I know, well, Mike, you've never had kids. What do you know? Hey, look, um, I've certainly taken care of kids through the years. I've certainly been, you know, babysitter. And I've been with people who've had kids. And I understand how that situation works. And when, it, when that happens, you just take the kids outside. It's really not that difficult. God forbid you tell somebody how to parent, though. So... These kinds of situations are nothing new. This has been going on. There's been um, a lot of the people in, in this particular case on the KTVB Facebook page. Most of the comments that people left were supportive of the mother and pretty much trashed the people at the table that wrote the note. However, in other situations, there's been mixed reactions. In July, a restaurant owner in Maine was criticized by some, but applauded by others for telling somebody's child to quiet down. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe... I don't know if it's up to the uh, the people that run the place to tell the kid to shut up, although I'm not necessarily opposed to that either. The bottom line to this entire story is that some people are just assholes and they bring their kids to situations where they don't necessarily belong. Uh, this was my big rant about Vegas for a while. Remember there was a time when Vegas was trying to market to families like you could bring your kids there 
And I know there's places like Circus Circus, but I'm talking about just in general. You, oh yeah, bring your kids to Vegas. It's a, it's a great family place. No, first of all, no, it's not. Secondly, um, the people like me that would go there to get away from everything, uh, the last thing you want to hear when you're in Las Vegas is a screaming kid. Now, I don't care if they're just passing by or if you're at a nice restaurant or even at a, at a garbage buffet someplace and you're hearing kids screaming. That's just not what you want in Las Vegas. And that is what wound up pissing off a lot of the regulars that would go to Vegas and even some of the locals. And that's why they stopped that campaign pretty abruptly. It, it, well, actually, they carried that on for several years, but then they, they finally decided to stop that because they realized that that was just pissing off the regular folks uh, that would go there. So, yeah, not a good idea. That's that's one of the dumber strategies that Las Vegas, the tourism board, has ever thrown out there. Yeah, bring your kids here. It's great. Yeah, there's just porn leaflets and escort service leaflets all over the floor, all over the ground. And uh, there's just billboards with naked people all over them. Um, so yeah, bring your kids here. Great environment for the for the kiddos. <laughs> Come on, man. My parents would have never brought me to Vegas. And you know, I love Vegas and I think it's great. It's the Disneyland for adults, but it is just not a place for children, period. Don't be that guy that brings your kids there. Please don't be that guy. All right, and now here's a pro tip for would-be burglars out there, all right? I don't know how many times we've had to say this, but if you're going to burglarize a home, do not try to gain entry through the chimney. Not a good idea. Uh, Someone obviously didn't tell that to this guy in Fresno who went down the chimney of some house. He was going to try and burglarize the place. This happened last Friday. He goes down the chimney. Of course, he gets stuck. Then he panics. Your body starts to swell up. You can't get out of there now. You're stuck. There's really nothing you can do except yell for help or try to get out of there, which he did not really do. He said, well, I'll I'll see what happens. He waited it out. He stayed in there all afternoon, all night, all into the next day. And then, of course, the homeowners returned. And, well, it was kind of a chilly afternoon in Fresno, apparently. So they decided to get a fire going. And that's when the homeowners heard screams from inside the house someplace. Then... They started to notice the smoke coming in and something smelling weird and more screaming. And, um, well, before you know it, they wound up killing this guy who had uh, shimmied down the chimney. He got stuck about three quarters of the way down, I guess. And, um, yeah, now there's there's a dead kid on your hand. Uh, Tony Boddy, who's the spokesman for the Fresno County Sheriff's Office, said the man identified by the coroner was 19-year-old Cody Caldwell. The cause of death was smoke inhalation and burns. Um, The firefighters had to create a hole in the chimney to remove the body that had gotten stuck. He was a suspected burglar. Uh, This happened at the uh, 16,000 block of West Gale Avenue just before 3 p.m. on Saturday. So he was in there for around 24 hours, they believe. Lieutenant Brandon Purcell of the Fresno County Fire Department said that... um, the home had suffered some smoke damage in addition to the busted chimney. The homeowners will obviously not be charged with anything, although you never know in these kinds of cases. Had this kid lived, he probably would have turned around and sued the homeowners. You know, because we have done stories like that where somebody breaks into a house, they have some kind of injury that occurs um, without even the homeowner being there. They trip over something, they fall. Sometimes they break their neck or they break a leg or something happens or they get stuck in the house someplace. And then they wind up suing the homeowners. And once in a while, they even win. That's the sad thing. 
So, yeah. If you're going to burglarize a house, just do the tried and true method of smashing the window, going in, grabbing as much stuff as you can as quickly as possible, and getting the hell out of there. I mean, you might get shot, but I don't know. It's California. How many people own guns there? Especially in Fresno. I don't know. I don't know. I would... I don't know how anyone can be a burglar these days. It's so... I would think it's the most dangerous thing, especially here in Arizona, here in Phoenix. Can you imagine you're trying to be a burglar here? You're you're really taking a chance. That is playing Russian roulette big time because just about everyone has a gun. You're going to break into somebody's house. You're going to get shot. What an idiot. I don't know. That's that's got to be a, a very difficult profession, so to speak, these days, being a burglar. And then I love stories like this. We've done this story a time or two on the show before as well, as scary as this is. So someone goes to a Goodwill. They're going to buy some stuff from there. And, you know, sometimes you can get some good deals over there at the Goodwill. Uh, people throw away old electronic stuff they don't want anymore, and they give it to the Goodwill. And sometimes there's, there's uh, you know, just like the Salvation Army, sometimes you find stuff over there like old record albums and uh, old stuff that actually is pretty valuable. I mean, most of the time it's just garbage. But every once in a while you find a needle in a haystack. Or in this case, you find, um, well, among a bunch of discarded things, a live grenade. Uh, <laughs> processors at the store at 1908 East 9th Avenue, this is in um, Winfield, Kansas, discovered the grenade as they went through some of the items that were part of a large donation. <laughs> Workers evacuated the store. They're, they're looking at it. Oh, you know, this kind of looks like a grenade. You know, I actually think this is a live grenade. Hmm. The store remained closed for about four hours until the Sedgwick County Bomb Squad arrived at the scene to detonate the device and safely remove it, which they did. And, of course, Goodwill has no idea of the origin of the donation because they don't keep track of that sort of thing, so they had no idea who gave them the gift of a live grenade to sell. And probably what wound up happening was maybe even the people that donated it had no idea that that's what it was. Maybe they just thought it was a toy or I don't know. It is amazing how many people have those kinds of things around. Well, I've told this story on the air before, but I had a friend years ago, and I can safely tell this story now because the guy is currently dead. He died of brain cancer a few years ago. And um, he had grenades, among other things. I was going through his art room one day and just, messing around with stuff in there and uh, he goes oh yeah by the way those are real grenades in that box right there and I took a look at one and I said yeah I mean it looked real I thought maybe he was kidding around but he just very nonchalant oh yeah those are real live grenades and um, of course other people told me oh yeah those were definitely real they went out to the desert and threw them at things and (laughs) he had real grenades well again this was a guy, he had a bunch of guns, he collected guns, and you know, I don't have any problem with that sort of thing. I'm kind of a little bit weirded out by somebody that actually has grenades, but guns are no problem, except that he also had incinerary rounds for his shotgun. So inside the shotgun shell, he had magnesium or phosphorus or something, so that when you'd shoot it, there would be like a small explosion as well, and stuff would burst into flame when you'd shoot it. So he was definitely a different kind of guy, but... I still thought he was a cool dude. Um, I I was weirded out by the grenade thing. I will admit that, but uh, he was he was actually a really good guy, and uh, I'm friends with all sorts of interesting people. Um, nobody quite that interesting in terms of armament, but uh, I do know some some strange folks. But see, this is my point. We do these kinds of stories. You never know what you're going to find at a Goodwill or a Salvation Army, so you might as well get over there and buy some stuff and 
see how it goes. You never know what you'll get. Maybe I have to go over there this afternoon. Just like yard sales are the same thing. You see these, and sometimes people sell stuff. Ah, oh, it's some vase. I don't know. I've had it for a few years. Meanwhile, it's some 200-year-old antique that's actually worth something. But you never know. Most of the time, 99.9% of the time, the kind of stuff people sell at yard sales is complete junk. And, I mean, that's why they're getting rid of it. Because it's garbage. But, yeah, sometimes you can find a diamond in the rough. For sure. I know people that have found old coins and uh, old collectible kind of stuff before. But you have to weed through so much crap. It's I don't know if it's really worth it. Who knows? All right. Well... That'll about do it. Groffshow at gmail.com. That is our email address. It is groffshow at gmail.com. That's also our PayPal address, groffshow at gmail.com. Michael Groff is the handle on Twitter. The Michael Groff Show on Facebook. And for everything else Michael Groff related, you know you can go to the one and only michaelgroff.com. And while you're there, of course you know this, but... You can always listen to this and all of our other old uh, episodes. You can comment on any of those shows. You can sign up, subscribe, so that every time we post a brand new episode of this show, you will get the email notification. And, of course, you can donate to us via the website as well. All of that and much more can be done at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. Thank you so much for listening. Always appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you again. Another uh, new episode of this here show coming your way, I don't know, tomorrow or whatever. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Good night, everybody.